was singing those Christmas songs and none of us have ever heard us cousins we'd be playing up till dinner was served but the feeling that comes back to me it's hard to put into words cause there's miles between lovers years between friends and we'll all be together again cause you're not Take me back to eight years old, the little church on a dead-end road, with the candle flicker in one way and dancing in the other. Take me back to silent times, my heart was full and the world was right, cause right now the world looks nothing like those innocent Decembers. These days peace on earth is hard to find. I need you to remind me one more time You're still the hope of Christmas You're still the light when the world looks dark You're still the hope of Christmas You're still the hope of my heart the snowflakes falling down like a blanket on this town for a moment we can hardly see the pain this year has brought us may the sick find healings touch may hatreds fight be one with love and may every heart make room for you the one who came to save us cause you're still the hope of christmas you're still the light when the world looks dark. You're still the hope of Christmas. And you're still the hope of my heart. my head and prayed at night felt my little girl by my side she slipped a tiny hand in mine and we both talked to you and it took me back to eight years old my daddy's hand and a story told about heaven's love in the manger lord and a promise that's still true you're still the hope of christmas you're still the light when the world looks dark. You're still the hope of Christmas. And you're still the hope of my heart. You're still the hope of Christmas. You're still the times where darkness approaches from all sides. 
God's creation, his precious children, are under constant threat of isolation, despair, and a lack of purpose. But Jesus called his church the light of the world, a city upon a hill, alive with the fire and power of the Holy Spirit. Together, we can fight the darkness. Together, we can beat back the shadows. And it happens through the simple act of invitation. An invitation can rescue the isolated, connecting them with a loving, devoted community. An invitation casts out despair, replacing it with joy, peace, and salvation. An invitation can guide those seeking purpose to the ultimate mission of God's kingdom, a lifelong journey of growth, outreach, and service, a chance to change the world. In this season of Christmas, it begins with a simple choice, to let our light shine, to make an invitation of hope. Good morning and welcome to 1C. Would you please rise for our first song? Let's go. 
You may be seated, and good morning to each and every one of you. Glad you're with us in worship. A very special guest to our uh, welcome to our guests. Glad you chose to worship with us. Whether you are in the house or online, it's great to have you celebrating this greatest gift of all, this Jesus. Uh, a couple things. In the chair uh, backs in front of you, there's a card there, and feel free to look at that for a couple different reasons. Example, if you're a guest, we'd love to get to know you. It's going to tell you how to do that. If you have a prayer request and you would like it included in worship today, it'll tell you how to do that. And if you would like to take communion here at 1C, this card will let you know what we believe as a church and how you could take communion. And that will be taking uh, place in just a little bit. So if you would, uh, take a look at that. A couple quick announcements for you. Christmas Eve is coming this Friday. It seems to come so quickly. I don't know if you're ready for it. But we're going to gather together to celebrate the birth of Jesus at 11 a.m., 3 o'clock, and 5 o'clock. So 11 a.m., 3 o'clock, and 5 o'clock. And they'll all be live streamed, but you can also come here. And if you're thinking, wow, I needed something a little bit later, we actually have another service at 7 o'clock, and that's going to be in Trinity Schuyler. So we're partnering with them in ministry, so if that fits your schedule, we'd love there as well. And just a reminder, the Sunday after that, we're going to still gather together, and we're going to still keep celebrating Christmas and the birth of the Christ child, and we're going to be looking at the, that Christmas carol, We Three Kings, and talk about what that means for us. So that's next week. All right, um, Christmas gifts. If you uh, picked up a gift that was on the giving garland, a reminder that we are to have those back today by 1.30, if at all possible, and the doors of the church will be open. You can bring those in, and we'll make sure we get those to those children that would be blessed by those gifts. Also, scattered throughout on several chairs is just a flyer. Uh, one of the things we're hoping for 2022, every one of us who calls 1C home, that you would be part of some group. Because we're going to start out 2022 with a series entitled Better Together. And that is a biblical concept that was founded at the very beginning when God created Adam. He saw it's not good for him to be alone. So we'd like for you to consider and pray about becoming part of a class or a group in 2022. This is a, we'll just say, partial list. If you've got some other ideas of what you would like to do for a group, we'd love to hear from you. And you'll just see two different sides. We have exploration, which is our Wednesday experience, many opportunities. We also have groups on the backside, and there's some new ones, a mom's group, um, a men's group. Um, what else do we have? In there? Oh, the Big Ten at the Big Ten. It's something I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do. I'm going to go over to the Big Ten on a Tuesday night starting, was it the 4th? can't even read that. My eyesight is bad. Uh, but we'd love for you to come. And we're going to, you can food and drink, and we're going to have conversation about the Ten Commandments. And we're going to be in the back room. So if you sit back and say, well, that's a group I'd like to do, or any of these, let us know and we'll give you the details that are necessary. All right. Last thing. Uh, we have, um, last probably two months now, we have passed the joy baskets. And what that is, an opportunity for people like you and me to say, thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. And uh, I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, just, again, giving thanks to God and asking him to lead you and guide us in how we respond to this good news. Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we gather together today, and we thank you for the blessings you have given. And your blessings are abundant. Your blessings are life-changing. And we thank you that as your people... As we receive these blessings, we can say thank you in return to you. And so, Lord, may you lead and guide us in all that we do with our time, our talents, our treasures, all for your glory and to further your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Love incarnate, love Star and angels gave a sign Bow to babe on bended knee Savior of humanity 
Kids, come on up over here if you would. I get to do the kids' message today. Yeehaw. Come on over here. I don't know if you're all excited, but something's coming uh, on Friday and then Saturday, and we're going to celebrate somebody's birth. Anybody know whose birth we're celebrating? Jesus' birth. I don't know if you have this at your house. We have a nativity scene, and in there, there are all these different characters, right? You can have animals. We have wise men, we have shepherds, we have Mary and Joseph, and then there's this one other person. Do you remember? Yeah. Well, and today we're going to talk about a song, Away in a Manger. And it is a beautiful little song hey, about Jim. this baby Jesus. Hey, there was I, this. I know I get to do the kids' message. Yeah, yeah, that's great. But I've got a delivery for you. There was this guy out there. And white hair, white beard. Um, Vicar Randy? No. But, you know, it looked a lot like him. I thought it was him at first. But this guy was wearing more of a red uh, velvet rather than flannel. Oh, not flannel? No, not flannel. It was more well, that, of a velvet that gets get Randy right off. Um, yeah. Who would who'd be wearing, like, red and... Any ideas? Oh, okay. There we go. 
And what did he want? He wanted me to give these to you. He said you would know what to do with them. I, I don't know what it's about, but maybe you can tell us. Oh, these are, these are gifts for all of you. Hey, do you see what's on here? A candy cane. And, and there's notes on all of these for everybody. And this is what it says. Um, J is for Jesus. Look at the candy cane. What do you see? Stripes that are red like the bloodshed for me. White is for my Savior who's sinless and pure. J is for Jesus my Lord, that's for sure. Turn it around and a staff you will see. Jesus my shepherd was born for me. I think that's a great reminder. I don't know if you've had a candy cane at all this year. You're going to get one today. But if you would, before you enjoy this, think about the reason for this season. And while it's fun to put lights up, it's fun to buy gifts and, and receive gifts. The real reason, the biggest, biggest thing that ever happened was Jesus came to be born for you and for me. Is that good news? All right. Let's, let's give God thanks for this gift. And then I'm going to give you this gift too to remind you of the best gift of it all. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, you love giving gifts. You give us one gift after another. But the greatest gift of all is the gift of your son, Jesus. Thank you for the way that he loved this world and for the way he loved me. We love you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so before you head back, come up and get a gift, and we're going to continue in song.
And the reason we need him to be near us is because of your sin and my sin. We go the other way. We do our own thing. And so we cry to him and say, come be near us and forgive us our sin. So I want to take you on a journey of prayer as we confess that sin, but also I want you to be reminded that because of Jesus and because he came near to us, we have forgiveness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and, and we thank you. In this season, we are reminded just how much you love this world, that you are willing to send your only son to come to this world because you saw the great need. You saw our sin. You saw uh, how self-centered we can be and how we go our own way. Thank you for pursuing us. Thank you for coming to this earth. And we thank you that because of your son Jesus, because of his death, his resurrection, we have forgiveness and life with you forever. So thank you for that really good news. And we now also ask you to give us the faith, faith to receive this good news and also faith to receive this very precious meal given to us because you love so dearly. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. And in the same way also, he took the cup after supper. And after he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament of my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And the peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. So now we're going to continue with a very special gift called Holy Communion. And we believe here at 1C that this is bread and wine, but body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. So if you are here and you have those individual communion sets, during the next song, feel free in faith to receive those elements, knowing God is blessing you. And if you're going to come forward for continuous communion, as you do during the next song, uh, just know that if you need gluten-free to let us know, or if you need juice to let us know, and we will serve you that. May God be glorified, and may we be blessed in this time together. Amen.
And now may this true body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen you and empower you for life and for ministry. Go in his name and in his love. Amen. Let us go to God in prayer this morning. Father, we just thank you that you are always there. No matter where we are in life, that you're there to hear us and lift us up. A prayer for my sister-in-law, Peggy as she travels to Mayfield, Kentucky to help with cleanup. A prayer of thanks for successful surgery for Nancy. Give her a complete and speedy recovery, Lord, and be with her and Jim as they wait for the test results. Ease Nancy's pain and give her comfort. Prayers for Ron for quick healing and quick recovery. Prayers from a friend Roy for encouragement and that the love of God to cover him. Prayers, Father, for pastor's wife to 
get better and, and to stay safe. A prayer, Lord, of thanks for providing me with a faith the faith I need in my life to teach my children so they can grow up in relationship with you. Please help me to be the best disciple, father, husband, and man I can be, the one you've called me to be. Prayer for the Curtis Haddock as he lost his home in a fire yesterday. Prayers for continued journey of recovery and safe travels for everyone during the Christmas season. Prayer of comfort for all those who are just having a hard time this Christmas. Prayers today for the Jarecki family. Father, we just thank you for the prayers that are unspoken here also this morning that are on our hearts, that you know what each and every one of us needs and longs for, and help us to come to you and rely on you to lift us up and to be with us. Join me as we say the prayer that the Lord taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Week four, as we've been looking at some of the Christmas carols, and again, these Christmas carols try to capture that, that beauty and the mystery of the birth of Jesus. If you remember week one, we sang a Christmas carol. It's really an Advent hymn, not to split hairs with you, but O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And that hymn really is a prayer directed to God because the word Emmanuel means God with us. So we're praying and pleading, O Come, O Come, God be with us. That was week one. Week number two, remember, O Holy Night, written by a non-Christian and lack of a better term, thug, did not believe in anything but a priest came to him and said hey would you write a poem based on Luke chapter 2 so he writes a holy night he he loves the 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 writer of it loved it so much he went to another non-christian and said hey could you put some music to this and then we get that beautiful beautiful carol oh holy night then week three oh come all ye faithful and if you remember I challenged that title a little bit because before Christ or without Christ, we really couldn't, well, we're not faithful. But when Christ becomes part of the occasion, uh, equation, we become faithful, and then we have joyful and triumphant. And it all kind of flows because of Christ. And now we're going to pause as our screens on the sides tell us, away in a manger. Now, a little backdrop to it. We don't know a lot about this, this Christmas carol. The first time it appeared in any publication was 1885, and it was in a Lutheran Sunday school publication. So some people thought, well, obviously then it must be Martin Luther's. Well, when they did some research and study, they found no evidence that Martin Luther actually wrote this. But I do believe that if Martin Luther, I mean, Martin Luther could have, because he grabbed the, 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 whoever wrote it, grabbed the story of the birth of Christ in a very beautiful way. So I'd like for you and me to, uh, let's just read the, the very first verse of this carol out loud together. So you'll see it up on the screen. Together, away in a manger, no crib for a bed, the little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay, the little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay and then the verses go and they just flow and there's depending on which version of the music the tune they're all beautiful grabbing hold of this Luke chapter 2 experience of the birth of Christ let me bring you back a little story if I if I would I think it was yeah it was my first Christmas at 1c 
And we were going to, here at the church, put together and put up all the decorations that seemed to magically appear. Well, there's a group of people that helped. Um, And I came and I helped, and I remember I was... I was putting together that little manger scene, the wood, out, uh, the wood cutout that's in between these doors, I believe. And I remember putting that together thinking, you know what? I'd like something like that. I think it would be cool. Put it out on the front, you know, the lawn, so everybody can see that I believe in the birth of Christ and this Jesus who has made a difference. So it was just kind of in my back of my head. A year later, I'm going through Facebook. That should alarm you right away. There it was, a cutout of the manger. It was 80% off. Boom, I'm going to get it. It said something like two weeks, 10 days delivery, two weeks delivery. One week went by, two weeks went by, three weeks went by, four weeks. Eight weeks later, the first week in February, I get the package. That's okay. It was worth the wait, right? Well, not really. This is the cutout that came to Jim Thielen's house. And the image and the picture that was on there was like this really big thing in front of a house, in front of trees, and it was like pretty something. I'm a little disappointed. A lot. And I, and I didn't, because I'm thrifty and cheap, I didn't throw it away. Probably Kristen wanted me to, but I probably begged her, can we keep it because it'll come in handy sometime. And this is where it's coming in handy and it'll probably be thrown away after. Here's the scoop. I think this is representative of how the world treats the birth of Jesus. They minimize it. They make it something less than what it is. And it caught me off guard this year. I've heard Away in the Manger many times. I've sung it many times. But something jumped off the page. It's something that is repeated five times, a little bit differently each time, but five times in the Christmas carol. Something that if you're not paying attention to, you may just breeze through it and not catch it yourself. And here it is. You probably caught it. The little Lord Jesus. Now, a lot of the world may just be thinking or singing in their minds, the little Jesus. Six pounds, eight ounces, cute, cuddly, cooing, the cattle are lowing, whatever that is. For those of you that are farmers, would you please tell me sometime what lowing means? I don't know what it means. Oh, thank you very much. Okay, we have a demonstration of that. But the world today, just like back then, looked right past this little Jesus because they did not, they did not acknowledge, they didn't pause, they didn't reflect, they didn't remember that word Lord that is in, this, in that, that beautiful carol. But I'll just tell you, 740 times in the New Testament alone, Jesus is referred to as Lord. It's a really big thing to understand that Jesus is not just little and his name is not just Jesus, but he's also Lord. And maybe you'll get the glimpse of it in Luke chapter 2 when the angels are talking to the shepherds saying, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is altogether out loud. Okay, we're going to do it again. Uh, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is? All right. Really important stuff. It's important for the shepherds 2,000 years ago to know this. It's important for people like you and me to know this. But here's the challenge. We're uncomfortable with this. I'm uncomfortable with it. And maybe you're uncomfortable with it, and you don't even know that you're uncomfortable with it. Whatever I just said, I'm not sure if that made sense. Let's talk about the word Lord and what that really means and why it will make people uncomfortable. The word in the original language in Greek in the New Testament is the word curious. And here's the definition, just a brief definition. 
He to whom a person or thing belongs, one who has control of the person, the master in the state. Now, in my ministry, I have met many people who like to be in control. I heard about people like that. I never ever thought that I was one of them. And my family's actually in here, so they will tell you I am a control freak. When the kids were little and I would come home, and if they happen to have this thing called a remote in their hand, who do you think it goes to? Yep, I would control it. And if they couldn't find the remote, I don't want you to know what would happen in the household if the remote can't be found. Or if we're going to drive somewhere, and even when my kids had their license or Kristen was there, who do you think wanted to drive? Because nobody drives as well as I do. I'm the best. Or when it came to, you know, <clears throat> I won't, I've got to be careful how I say this now because they are in the room. If church starts at a certain time, like 11 o'clock, I would love my family to come all in, hair combed and everything together, and they're sitting here at about quarter two just waiting for the service to start. I won't touch that. I'm leaving that over there. I don't know if you can relate. I think we live in a world where all of us like control to some degree or to a big degree. And I think that's what bristles against us. That's what keeps some people keeping God at an arm's distance away because we want to be in control. I'll just tell you, I have met some of the strongest people in the world physically, emotionally, intellectually. And when they get brought down to their knees because of life and circumstance, they realize somebody else has to be in control. So we can battle it and we can fight it. So I'm going to ask a question, and it's going to be a little stirring because I'm going to give you some categories of life for you to consider. But here's the question. What does it mean that Jesus is Lord? And maybe some of us are sitting here today and thinking, can we just get to the really warm, fuzzy picture of Jesus in a manger? But we can't. Because you can't pull apart this little baby Jesus with the word Lord. It is one and the same. And we need to come to terms with that. We need to wrestle with that. And we need to ask the question, what does it mean that Jesus is Lord? And just so you know, we don't make him Lord. I know that's a phrase. I remember when in the 70s. You know, you don't make Jesus Lord of your life. Well, we don't. He is already Lord. We don't make him Lord. We acknowledge him. We surrender. We trust. We love. But the question still begs to remain. What does it mean that Jesus is Lord in your marriage or in relationships or in parenting, in your workplace, with your neighbors, with your finances, with your calendar? I can go through the long list. What does it mean that Jesus is Lord with all those areas? And I'm going to say safe enough to say this. This is law, just so you know. Not enough. For every one of us, not enough. So I'm hoping that we come to terms with this. We, we kind of understand it. But I'm going to maybe give you a little tension by giving you what I call the Jim Thielen version of Proverbs chapter 3. And some of you may have heard this Bible verse I know some people even have it as their confirmation verse. It is a beautiful verse, but I'm going to tweak it to how American Christians often treat it. Here it goes. And I have to really read it carefully because it is definitely a, a change in the original. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart and lean on your own understanding in some of your ways, acknowledge him, and you can make your own path straight. This is really American Christianity at its best or worst, depending on how you want to call it. There's so much emphasis on ourself being in control, ourself and our will, that it takes us captive. And I'm, I'm, I'm just guilty of it. Please know that. I am guilty of sometimes not trusting God with every part of my life. And I trip and I fall flat on my face. 
I remember in 1979 when Jesus became real to me, all right? And, and maybe you know what that means. I was born and raised in a church. Um, I went to a Lutheran grade school, Lutheran high school. I mean, I had that stuff like all over me, but not in me. And when it went from my head to my heart, when it went 18 inches down to, to my heart, I understood what was going on. And there was an organization called Campus Crusade for Christ. I don't know how many of you have ever heard of that organization. Okay, a lot of hands. Uh, they had some great graphics and visuals to help explain this dynamic. And here is one of them. This is, this is me before 1979 and still me sometimes today. It's called the self-directed life. The self is on the throne. The interests are directed by self, which often result in discord and frustration. And Christ is the outside of life. And if we've, we've talked, I, I've shared this recently, when I, I've done lots of reading and studying on this phenomena, up until about 1950, I think our country did a pretty good job of having Christ and God in the middle. And I would liken it to a wheel with a hub. God was in the middle, and all the spokes that went off were all sorts of things. Marriage and parenting and work and recreation. And the middle was God and everything. That's what God its connection, right? But then something happened where all of a sudden, God's not in the middle anymore. And there's all sorts of things that can be put in the middle. I won't pick on any one thing. I mean, I'll be here too long. But somehow it's changed. And as a result of it, so has Christianity in America and other parts of the world too. But I do find it amazing. Those parts of the world that have the greatest um, oppression and challenges are the ones that have this dynamic, really strong faith. I'm trying to figure that out. Maybe we have it too easy. I don't know. So let me move you from that understanding, that version of Proverbs 3, to the original, you know, going back into the Hebrew and the, and the English here, but Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6. This is how it works. Trust in the whom? Okay. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Isn't that better? But it's uncomfortable, if we're going to be honest. And yet I'll even say that this English version, which is closer than the other one that I had, the word acknowledge bothers me. In the original language of Hebrew, the word is yada. Okay? And it could mean acknowledge, but it's also used when it talks about Adam knowing Eve. That was a very intimate knowledge in every way possible. And I think when the English, when we hear the word acknowledge, it reminds me of my days in Minnesota. So if you're, anybody from Minnesota, raise your hand. Anybody, nobody's acknowledging that. Wow. Um, so I'm not picking on it, but let me tell you, when I was there, I had to learn. The, the town was about 1,200 people, and there was this unwritten rule. If you're driving your car and you're driving by somebody, you have to acknowledge them. So if your hands are on the steering wheel, and if it's somebody you don't really know, you acknowledge them by putting up the one finger. If it's somebody you know, you put up your fingers like this. If it's somebody you even like, you put down the window and you wave out like this. You acknowledge them. That's what I feel in a sense this gets at. I, I just really think it should be this. In all your ways, know him intimately. Because there is a direct correlation between knowing God intimately and loving him and trusting him and following him. I mean, it just, it, it's, there's a direct connection. And I'll just say the first 17 years of my life, I was just acknowledging him. I knew how to spell Jesus. But I didn't know what it meant here. That's why the other image that often accompanies that first one is what's called the Christ-directed life. When Christ is on the throne, when he is here, 
the self is yielding to Christ. So in other words, we say, okay, it's not my will. It's not just about me. It's about what you have to say. Because I acknowledge you. I know you as a God who is all-loving, all-powerful. I mean, he just is all-wise. He knows everything. He is so good. He's so integrated with our life. It is so beautiful. And then as a result of it, our interests are directed by Christ, resulting in harmony with God's plan. And when there's disharmony, I'll just tell you, I just know in my life, when there's a disharmony and I'm feeling it, it's 99% of the time because I'm going contrary to what God wants. So I'm going to challenge you to get to know him. Now, Jesus describes it in a couple different ways. Once again, it's uncomfortable, but this is what he said. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. He also said, if you want to find your life, you lose it. We don't like that. Because it is about me. Until all the wheels fall off. The Apostle Paul, before he was known as Paul, was known as, anybody remember? Saul. Very good. And his life before Christ, before he met him on that road, um, his job, his task was to kill Christians. That was his, his job. And so he didn't know Christ. He acknowledged him. And anyone that followed him, he would go and do some not so good things. But when he got to know Christ, he began to understand what does this look like? What does it mean to have Christ in the center and on your heart? He says it like this in Romans 14. For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, would you say this out loud with me? We belong to the Lord. So let me read it again. So whether we live or die, what? We belong to the Lord. Do you sense that? Do you feel that? Do you care about that? I mean, there are times I really don't care about it. I'm sorry, I'm going to be honest, as your pastor. There are times I get busy and distracted with this world and all the trappings of what goes on, and I don't really care about it enough. That's why Philippians 2, I just want to, I'm going to end on this verse. Because I think, again, Paul is summarizing really what happened and what is to happen. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. This is Jesus, right? And became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess what? That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I'm going to just tell you, this is what's going to happen whether you believe in him or not. There is going to come a moment when it's going to be revealed that Jesus Christ is Lord. My prayer for you is that you put your faith and trust in him now so that the glory of God the Father and the gift of eternal life and the blessings that all are there would be for you. I hope that we have that sense of urgency to go tell other people about this. Because life is more than just whatever, 80, 203, whatever years on this earth. There's this thing called eternity and it really matters. It really matters. So live it, know him, tell others, and celebrate. Amen? All right, I'd like to invite you to please stand. We're going to profess our faith. In other words, we're going to share what we believe about God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, out loud so everyone can hear. So let's share the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I'm going to share with you the blessing. It's known as the benediction. It's not something that I thought that these would be really pretty words. These are words that God speaks to you and to me. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
great Sunday, everybody. Go in peace and serve the Lord.